0: The British Wrestling Experience with Martin, Olli and Benno. Hello and welcome to episode 10 of the British Wrestling Experience on postwrestling.com. I'm your host Martin Bushby and joining me is Richard Benden aka Benno and sadly Ollie can't be with us this week but um, he'll no doubt be here next time around and Benno, last time we spoke to you we were off to a big lads holiday in in Benidorm, how did that go? Uh, Cheap beer, debauchery, the beers were two euros Martin, that's just
1: unreasonable. (laughs) <laughs> uh, yeah it's a crazy place as we talked about last time. it's just it's way you to know all the worst of uh, Britain seems to go in Spain. It was just all the bars are full of lads with tops off singing oasis. We were quite civilized compared to that although Every corner I went round, I kept getting offered all kinds of things by uh, certain shady people, Uh, offered a sniff, and and worse than that at certain points. (laughs) We did get a point, it was a stag do we were on, so a bachelor party, and there was a point where the, the stag was riding a mechanical bull badly. And in the background, they had roar on the big screen in the pub we were in. So I got a bit of wrestling in there as well. So uh, uh, I had a good time, all in all. I never thought I'd say it, but I think I'd go back. It was a bit crazy, but yeah, it was cheap enough. So if the price is right, I could uh, see myself back there again.
0: All right, for a weekend, didn't it? You won't mm. want to spend any longer than uh, <laughs> oh, <good dad, laughs> there. <no>, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you just, you
1: just feel just the date of the of the place, kind of. It's just, it's a very, very seedy place. So yeah, not not really a place for families. But hey,
0: I had a good time. I suppose the American equivalent is going down to Tijuana for the weekend, isn't it? Yeah. That's <laughs> Except it, yeah. with slightly more rules in Benidorm, I imagine. <laughs> I'm not so
1: sure. Some of the things I saw, Martin, it was uh, worse than some of the things Dan Maloney has seen. So, uh, best I uh, don't go through, the, through them on this PG podcast.
0: <laughs> but, uh, yeah, after that, I mean, uh, on the show this week, we're going to be looking back at what's been a, a stacked uh, few weeks in British wrestling. We'll be mm. talking. Progressors 3-Day Super Strong Style 16 Tournament, Ishii against Keith Lee 2 at Red Pro's Epic Encounter, and um the all-female group Pro Wrestling Eve running their biggest show to date, Um But before we get into all that, WWE have been on tour of the UK for the past week or so. They've been hosting live tapings of Raw and SmackDown, as they normally do, and um, as has happened with the last few UK tours, um, the house show elements featured uh, a number of names from... Uh, the WWE UK tournament, um, but not only that though, on this week's 205 live, Flash Morgan Webster and Kenny Williams made the debuts for the company, and, um, these two obviously didn't take part in the UK tournament last year, and we haven't seen them in WWE before, so, uh, Beno, uh, what did you make of uh, Flash and Kenny Williams on 205 Live? It was a uh, good to see them both on there. I mean, it was certainly a lot better than the last time they did 205 Live in England, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah,
1: the famous Enzo Amore
0: promo. Um, it was better than that. I mean, I, I know the guys are
1: small, and I know WWE UK is low priority, but there is something about putting the guys on 205 Live that that lowers it in a way that maybe NXT doesn't. Um, I did think the guys looked good. Kenny Kenny Williams looked super comfortable out there. I mean, he. Sean uh, on ITV. We're going to go through the, the list of uh, guys who, who are appearing for ITV. He's not one of them because he's taken a WWE contract. Um, he'd been teasing leaving ICW, which had made me think he was going back to, to ITV, but here he is on 205 Live and he looked the part. He really did look good. Um, he was he got himself quite over. Um, Tyler Bates is always going to be the most over of the British guys on the mm-hmm. show, but Kenny Williams did, did really well himself. Flash Morgan Webster was one where he, I saw the screenshots coming in yesterday From people uh, live there, that uh, him in his backstage segment with Cedric Alexander in his full gear. And I was just looking at him, wondering what the the Yanks and the Canadians are going to make of this Flash Morgan Webster. Uh, He he cut a bit of a cocky promo, it was all right, and he. Kind of faded into the background a little bit uh, in the six-man match that he was in. So, yeah, that's an interesting one. I was surprised to see uh, him on, on TV. I've been hot and cold on it uh, on Flash Morgan Webster. So, I guess time will tell uh, how he gets on. But, no, I'd, I'd say Kenny Williams definitely looked the, the more comfortable uh, of the lot. And it was yeah, great to see him uh, get a bit of spotlight.
0: Yeah, you could tell from that ITV uh, World of Sports special from the other year that uh, Kenny Williams really was TV-ready, wasn't he? But it's interesting you note that about uh, Flash Morgan because uh, I was in America the other month and I managed to head to a PWG show and uh, Flash was on there and there was uh a... He was well over with the American crowd, so um, it it seems that um, his gimmick of the mod uh, certainly translates well to uh, an American audience, so um, I guess we'll have to wait and see how how he translates to uh, a WWE audience. But... um, also announced while the WWE have been in town, um, they've announced the opening qualifiers for the two day tournament in London in June at the Royal Albert Hall are going to be held at a download festival. And for those that don't know, a uh, download is a huge music festival in the UK. It's, um, always held, uh, sort of like the first weekend in June. It's, uh, mainly based, uh, in metal music. You know, you usually have people like Metallica, Black Sabbath, as well as the Osborne Aerosmith headline, and it's always a, a big weekend and has been for a number of years now. And, um, also for a number of years now, uh, NXT have held some shows there. And uh, and this year, we'll see them showcasing the opening rounds of the UK tournament, as I just uh, noted there. And um, literally, just before we started recording this, uh, they announced uh, the first eight names for uh, the UK tournament. We're going to have Zach Gibson, Joe Coffey, Jack Gallagher, Dave Mastiff, Kenny Williams, El Ligero, Joe Connors and Amir Jordan. I mean, what are your thoughts on, on this lineup, Benno? I'm loving all these Yorkshire guys in there and i really pleased to see, uh, El Leguero.
1: Yorkshire guys, El Liguero. That was really interesting in the video, wasn't it? The announcement. Yeah. They, they actually outright said he's, uh, he's from Leeds with a heavy Mexican, uh, influence. Um, breaking kayfabe there. I thought they'd, uh, keep the gimmick <laughs> up there, uh, beating Meltzer of the scoop that, uh, El Liguero isn't, uh, really from Mexico. Um, yeah, it's, it's an interesting lineup. He's, he's a name there that I, I would have expected to see on ITV. Mastiff and, and Kenny Williams are two people who, you know, World of Sport built the first tape in around. Um, so they've obviously, uh, been yanked i know dave have did a lot of trial to WWE in the past so it shouldn't be a, a huge surprise to see him in there but a solid first eight names really obviously zach gibson jumps out too there's been rumors about him for the the last few weeks so it's good to see that finally uh confirmed amir jordan uh kind of feels early for him to be in, in a spot mm. like this it's similar to how i felt about dan maloney and roy johnson last time out um i think the gimmick is going to set him apart um but yeah i'm, I'm not too sure on, on whether he he'd be he's only i think he's been wrestling two to three years something like that i think they said that in the video so yeah he, he's probably the least experienced here but yeah uh, the gimmick could definitely get over and yeah, all in all uh, an interesting lineup i'm definitely uh wondering who the the other eight names are going to be on friday
0: yeah, it'll certainly be interesting, and um, yeah, Amir Jordan was one that uh, stuck out to me, because obviously uh, we saw him at that Progress show, didn't we, in December, and mm. he seems to have been all over the UK this year, and he's certainly got um, an interesting character, an interesting act that really gets over with the crowd, but yeah, perhaps uh, perhaps after a couple of years, that's uh, it is a bit too soon for him, but I guess we're going to have to wait and see on that one, but certainly... El is somebody who's been playing. You know, he must be one of the hardest working wrestlers, not only yeah. in the UK but in the world. I mean, it's uh, his, his schedule is legendary. You know, doing these uh, double and triple shots on a weekend. So there's nobody more deserving of him for the for that. And it's interesting that they've uh, thrown in Jack Gallagher there as well, because obviously he's a main roster talent. So, uh, so it's interesting that they're uh, mixing some main roster guys in with the uh, with these uh, debuts and and also people like Joseph Connors who've appeared for we mainly on uh, the house shows and uh mainly most notably from the tournament last time so i imagine the next eight guys will be um people that we saw in the tournament last time and then mixed in with uh, a few new names so it'll be interesting to see once they're announced on on friday and uh I mean, we mentioned them earlier, but ITV, they've, uh, they've held their first set of tapings for the new World of Sport, uh, last week. And, I mean, they've asked the crowd not to reveal any spoilers, so <laughs> details are few and far between. But what has leaked out is, there, is the, is roster that they're using. So, uh, if you're trying to avoid all spoilers for World of Sport, then perhaps skip through the, the next few minutes, because, um, the rosters are really impressive, isn't it, Benno? I mean, uh, Top of the list there is Will Ospreay, and then you've got Davey Boy Smith Jr., Grado, Doug Williams, Rampage Brown, Shaw Samuel, Lionheart, Kaylee Ray, Viper, Martin Kirby, Joe Hendry, B Priestley, Nathan Cruz, Yestin Reese, Kip Sabian, Robbie X, Justin Sizem, Adam Maxted. Gabriel Kidd, H. D. Drake, Liam Slater, and C. J. Banks. So, um, a lot of names mm. that um we used last time around by World of Sport, but certainly um, a lot of interesting names that they didn't use uh, used before. I mean, Will Osprey certainly the one that uh, jumps out to you, there, isn't he? It
1: really does. I mean, when he started, he was retweeting things about ITV World of Sport, and that's when people started to get suspicious. Um, I was surprised at first, and then I thought, well, if they can get David Boy Smith Jr. with the the new Japan tie-in, mm. I guess uh, it makes sense that they can get Will Osprey as well. I I guess that puts itv firmly on the uh, new japan side of these brit res wars we're going through in 2018 um <laughs> but yeah if you want to get someone you know will osprey uh, marty scurls zack saber jr they're kind of the three biggest stars in brit res that WWE don't have the the hooks into so it's a great it's a great sign and i'm sure he'll be the, the highlighter of the tapings but yeah an interesting name up unless the names up and down doug williams really surprised me i thought mm. he'd be a good guy for WWE uk especially with the progress tie-in i thought you know the age veteran story. I thought they were going to Put that into maybe the next WWE UK tournament. So I guess there was no interest there. Uh, Martin Kirby is a name similar to El Ligero, who's been around forever. Great to see uh, him get a little bit of a shine. um Nathan Cruz, that's one where last time he was supposed to be linked with WWE UK and yeah. he had some injury issues. So obviously they did not come calling for him second time out. So that's unfortunate for him, but I guess he's seen uh, ITV as a, a good second option. And yeah, plenty of young guys in there, the likes of Justin Sizem and adam max there the people with the look who, who may not be quite uh 100 the, percent the whole product there but for a, a mainstream wrestling tv show on a saturday night which this is uh likely to be i think they'll, they'll fit really well so yeah i was pleasantly surprised to, to see the list there even if we don't quite know uh much detail on the tapings themselves yet
0: well, it's interesting also because Max said's also got the previous ITV tie-in, hasn't he? With uh, mm. being on their, their ITV2 show Love Island before he before he uh, <laughs> ventured into uh, the world of wrestling. So I, I wonder if they'll the, be bringing that up. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, the mums in the house
1: pass will be watching that. Uh, he's a, he's a big star. I've seen him at an indie show local to me, and he got uh, there was a lot of fans there you wouldn't uh, usually associate with uh, with, with wrestling uh, coming out to see him. So yeah, maybe he'll be a bit of a crossover star for ITV.
0: Yeah, so it's an interesting one because, um, I mean, we talked about it on the last time on the show and we weren't that bothered about it. But, uh, going in, this looks like, um, a lot more promising than the, mm. we thought it was going to be. So, um, I mean, they haven't said when they said the tapings are going to start screening in the summer. I mean, you would assume it's going to be after the football world cup has finished. I can't imagine they're going <laughs> to be, uh, showing it as a leading for the world oh. cup final or anything. But, um, yeah, I guess what I, I guess around July, August time, we'll probably ex- expect to see that, won't we? Yeah. I think that's about right. So uh, moving away from uh, the two big companies and uh, and back to uh, our reviews. I mean, Progress held their fourth annual Super Strong Style 16 tournament on the 4th, 5th and 6th of May at Alexandra Palace in London. I mean, you know, on the show before, this is a lot bigger venue than their usual electric ballroom in Camden. None of the days quite sold out, but it looked pretty full in there in all three days, I thought. So it must have been a success for them at the box office. And we've got tons to talk about from this one. I mean, there was the uh, 16-man tournament that obviously dominates the weekend, but also we had a lot of storyline continuation and returning faces and uh, some debuts as well. So uh, let's get into the tournament matches themselves to start off with. Uh, The winner was Zack Sabre Jr. And, I mean, he had an incredible weekend in the ring. He had a a great first-day match with Chuck of all people, a uh, brilliant match with David Starr on day two, a fantastic semi final against Keith Lee, and then a, 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 an incredible main event with his old rival Cassius Ono. And, and Benno I mean we'll dive straight into this final match of the weekend for me it was the best match and um, and definitely a worthy winner in Sabre Junior who will now go on to face whoever the progress champion is at the Wembley Arena show in September I mean what did you face Chris Hero slash Cassius Ono a number of times and what did you make it what did you make of the latest match I really enjoyed it uh, it was kind of a,
1: a nice moment as well obviously I don't think uh, Ono was planned to get to well, he wasn't planned to get to the final because he was knocked out but he came back in with the title of base injury so they got to do this match and yeah there was a really nice moment at the end where Ono kind of looked like a, a proud dad probably never imagined he was going to get this match you know Cassius Ono was watching those G1 tapes and watching that New Japan Cup <laughs> uh, so he must have been made up to to get in there with Zack Sabre at this point in his career but yeah it was really special um, getting to see a, a, a NXT guy against a New Japan guy as well it was like uh, Taz and Mike Awesome in ECW representing WWE, WWE. <laughs> it was, I mean say what you will about WWE and Progress' relationship, and I have a lot, but that's pretty cool uh, to get to see that. Um, The only thing going into the match, I thought, maybe with Ono being a WWE guy and being an alternate... I wasn't particularly, I don't think I'd have been convinced if I was there live in the building that he had much chance of winning it, but
0: mm. then again
1: coming into the tournament, I don't think I'd have picked uh, Zack Sabre Jr. either so, yeah, it, it was a good match, I think with it being on day three, I think the crowd were a little bit muted um, but they did get into the, it was a very slow build really, and I did enjoy the dynamic of, oh no, strikes versus essentially Zack Sabre's uh, technique, his submissions and his roll-ups, and really the story of the match was in weather in the storm, wasn't it? Weather in the Stormer strikes from Ono and just waiting for his opportunity so it was a really good style versus style match the type of match that I suppose uh, you're not going to see a lot of Ono uh, in NXT and it did feel like across the weekend we got to see Ono be a bit more Chris Hero than we've seen him be in NXT but yeah I thought although the crowd wasn't hugely loud for it they did get with it towards the end and it was kind of watching from home it was quite enthralling the uh, the slow build of the match so yeah I really enjoyed it and I was quite happy to see Zach Sabre win as well. I think there's a lot of uh, interesting ways you can go with that, with him uh, now being the number one contender for, for Wembley.
0: I mean, we've talked before uh, um, about what an incredible year Zach Sabre Jr.'s having, and he definitely was the star of this weekend, wasn't he? I mean, uh, we've just discussed um, the final match there, but uh, not to look past the semi-final match he had against Keith Lee as well. I mean, that was a, a similar story, wasn't it? You know, Zach trying to get his offense in around, you know, Keith Lee and eventually wearing him down, and that was, a, that was another great match, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, it really was, and a lovely send-off for Keith Lee too, similar to what he got in WXW and what he got in RevPro that we're going to talk about later it's a real shame he can't do that NG- ngw show in keith lee that's coming up in two weeks <laughs> he's just missed out on that one unfortunately keith lee and Keithley. uh but yeah he's going to be hugely missed from the indies he, he at this point he knows who he is he's so he's like one of the most confident big men i think i've ever seen he can have a great match with both wrestlers with most wrestlers sorry and you can say that about Zack sabre too
0: mm. um
1: so yeah perfect perfect match and great to see you know one last uh, time see so yeah, a dream match of of this type uh, but again Again, you mentioned there the story of the match it was very much Zack Sabre kind of stealing the win again it was another really good style battle kind of this one being the the story in the book with Zack Sabre trying to chop down Lee and grab a submission where he could uh, Lee's kind of like he's like a wounded bear isn't he in matches like this it's yeah. like he's maybe one of his legs has fallen off but he's still got that <laughs> scary strength he can still hit those ridiculous power bombs and, and hit those big kickouts. so yeah just really really strong stuff and yeah can't say enough good Good things about even if he wasn't the original plan, Zack Sabre Jr. turned out to be an ideal plan. He's the ideal tournament wrestler at the moment, isn't he? he had an incredible G1 last year, an incredible New Japan Cup this year. Um, he's someone who can bust out completely different matches with uh, everybody he gets in there with. So yeah, just a, a real highlight of the weekend.
0: Well, you mentioned original plans there, and um, you sort of touched on it before. Tanglebait had to pull out of the tournament due to a shoulder injury, and then. Um... He seemed to be the favourite going in to win the tournament. Obviously, Cassius Ono won a multi-man match to take Tyler Tyler Bate's place in the semi-finals. And um, I imagine a lot of plans were changed at the last minute. I mean, do you think um if Bate hadn't been injured, he would have gone on to win the tournament and had the shot at the title at Wembley? It
1: feels like that was probably the plan. Um, I kind of if Pete Dunne still had the belts that's what I'd do I would have gone Tyler Bate and Pete Dunne I don't know who you'd have put him against I don't think uh, Tyler Bate and, and Travis Banks is a particularly uh, interesting match but yeah I think it felt like that and he was having an incredible weekend as well his match with Jordan Devlin on day one was great um, his match in there with Cassius Ohno was probably my highlight of the weekend as, as far as the, the tournament matches go that was awesome as well so yeah it was a real shame but I think uh, I, I mean it seems like he's working absolutely fine we just talked about him being on the 205 live taping i think they were just being cautious more than anything mm. but yeah it, it may have uh upset some plans going forward but it does feel like they've uh, at least got a good plan b
0: um, I mean, you mentioned him there, someone who, who really had a standout weekend, as we knew he would kind of predicted it on the last show, uh, was Jordan Devlin. I mean, he had a great match with Tyler Bate on the first day of the tournament. Even in a losing effort, he really showed uh, the Progress fans what the OTT fans have known for the uh, past couple of years now, and uh, that Devlin is the real deal. He was also fantastic in the Wasteman Challenge on day three. <laughs> he got a lot of nice barbs in against Roy Johnson and really, really uh, won the crowd over it. um It was great to see Devlin uh, really win this progress crowd, wasn't it, Benno? It really was. He was just, I think day
1: one, it felt like he got booed quite a bit. And then day two, he kind of became one of the biggest babyfaces in the tournament just by doing a, an overhead kick on a, on a, one of Chuck Mambo's um, beach balls. I think that was kind of when he hit that perfectly, and the crowd went for it. It was like that was the turning moment of all things for Jordan Devlin, as well as you know obviously the great match that he had on day one as well. But you're right, he kind of shown uh, to, to progress fans who maybe haven't seen a lot of him uh, exactly why people are raving about him. But yeah, that that three. Freeway with Chuck Mambo and TK Cooper it was just an awesome, awesome match. And I think Devlin became one of the biggest uh, winners of the weekend from that. Just hitting his really well-timed big spots that i don't think people knew he had in him from the wwe uk tournament and really shining in that three-way and then yeah really shining like you say in the in the rap battle he looked really good there as well uh even get, getting some good little uh, lines in there uh about roy johnson uh but what, what was the line something about not uh not getting paid for house shows it was hard to make out wasn't it with the uh the audio um yeah uh, the audio, audio
0: wasn't the greatest it was something like you work two house shows and no payday obviously <laughs> referring to when Roy Johnson appeared twice for WWE so uh, yeah that <laughs> went really over with the crowd didn't it <laughs> yeah
1: that's it and he, although he, he took the fall in that match um, he was the one when they were walking out he was getting the police gun back chance so although yeah it wasn't a winning weekend uh, for him I think he definitely showed why he belongs at the, the top level um, and that, uh, that whole business of being the import killer uh, in Ireland and now the killer imports in the UK that's just too perfect hopefully uh, progress run with that and they, they realise what they've got
0: um, uh, before we get on to the the other major moments of the weekend, were there any other uh, tournament matches that stood out to you?
1: Um I think as far as I think day one, the the opening day, I kind of that was the day where I was watching anything, and I didn't really feel like the tournament as a whole hit the high standards of, of super strong styles of old. I think the the two highlights really were the matches we've talked about. I think uh, Devil and Bate, uh was really, really strong. Um, oh no, uh, Cassio Ono and Chris Brooks was one that was I think notable for the wrong reasons. It was a, a big match for Chris Brooks, but it was a really muted main event on night one. I thought there's a lot of faith being put in Chris Brooks, putting him in the main event on night one and putting him against uh, Cassio Ono, although it is allegedly a, a random draw for super strong styles. Uh, not so sure about that, but I kind of thought in the pantheon of uh, big Chris Hero Soto matches, it just really wasn't up there, um, and it did maybe expose uh, the Brooks's as nice of a guy is and as well-marked as he is and as he's kind of the cool thing at the moment um he didn't quite live up to that big singles match i just don't quite think he's he's on that level yet but yeah as far as the tournament goes i think we've pretty much uh, talked about the big matches there david Starr and zach Sabre jr was a really good one uh we've talked a lot about zach Sabre jr but that was a match where it was just Uh, they made it different I think that's what really worked about that one because it's a long three days especially if you're watching at home on VOD as well Mm. and just by starting with the the strong strikes as they did in that match and making it something a little bit different I felt like they they really woke the crowd up there but yeah I think the the highlights of the weekend throughout was Zack Sabre Jr all of his matches really were the were the best stuff there
0: and there were uh, tons of other highlights outside of the uh, tournament portion of the show. I mean, uh, one of the major moments of the weekend came uh, when Jimmy Havoc having been defeated in a death match by Joey Ginello, <laughs> which, uh, you know, it's a sidebar. That was an insane match, saw so cinder blocks being used and Havoc, literally being covered head to toe in drawing pins Uh, after he's lost, he sat dejected in the ring and cut a really raw promo you know sort of really from the heart on uh, Progress and Jim Smallman saying that the company hasn't given him the respect he deserves or he's helped build his company where it is today and that they've turned their backs on him because he doesn't have three letters attached to his name and uh, this was a fantastic promo by Havoc and he he was subsequently interrupted by his old rival the returning Will Ospreay who told Havoc that he looked a shell of his former self and uh, their feud in progress had propelled him onto the world stage in new japan whereas havoc hadn't done anything it was just a guy called james i mean osprey also stayed him and havoc had unfinished business and he wanted jimmy fucking havoc back and challenged him <laughs> to a match at wembley in september and i mean benno this was a fantastic angle yeah. wasn't it great promos from both men loved the dynamic of havoc in the ring You know, looking completely defeated and Osprey coming out like he just stepped off a a catwalk or something, you know, and he looked, he he couldn't look any better, could he? You know, and just the dynamic of the conquering hero coming back and the guy who's just been treading water in progress, it was absolutely brilliant. Yeah, it was just, this was classic progress. It was it worked so well because of the truth in it, similar
1: to why Eddie Dennis and Mark Andrews works. Um, Jimmy Havoc has just kind of been floating in progress for the last couple of years, really. Um, But in this promo, we got so many things that I've been asking for. We got him explaining why him and Mark Haskins teamed up, as you mentioned, and explaining why, you know, he was angry about imports and trainees, and he was the big elephant in the room that you picked up on there is the fact that Will Asprey was allowed to come back to pro Progress. And that was something we all kind of said when they came back. That's a bit weird. He supposedly lost the loser leaves, matched the Jimmy yeah. Havoc. And other than Havoc, making reference to it every now and then, mainly on his Twitter, uh, there wasn't really a resolution to that. And this was the perfect time to do it. Like you say, the The difference between the two was just awesome. It was, like, it, like you said, it was just osprey and as he said in his promo has become one of the best wrestlers in the world and the kind of havoc just he did he looked broken especially after this death match and especially considering the last couple of years that they've had and it was just yeah just a really raw promo segment i think osprey was great um i'm not saying he's one of the best promos in the world but he does get underrated sometimes and and how good he is at selling this kind of thing and it feels like a an absolutely huge match and how could progress go to Wembley and not put Will Osprey against Jimmy Havoc? I couldn't be. I've not been excited about Jimmy Havoc in a long while. Uh, maybe apart from that tournament of death last year. Uh, <laughs> but I'm really excited for this match now. I think it's great. Inspired booking by Progress, and I've given them some grief on the uh, on the booking and the, the stories that they've been telling. But I'll be really interested in uh, how they continue to build this up over the next three months.
0: And, uh, another highlight of this weekend was the continuation of the Eddie Dennis and Mark Andrews story. I mean, we've discussed that in length on, uh, previous shows here, but, um, it continued on day one as, uh, Mark Andrews faced Helico and, uh, Dennis turned up at ringside, constantly distracting Andrews, cost him in the match and, uh, this even continued outside the outside of the show on night two when Mark Andrews' band Junior were playing a gig as as part of the whole weekend, and uh, Dennis turned up and attacked the band's tour manager, and uh, and this all culminated on day three when Mark Andrews finally confronted Dennis in the ring and said he. He could do whatever he wanted to him, but he'd gone too far taking it outside of the wrestling business and attacking his friend and manager. And, uh, Andrews finally agreed to face Dennis as long as Dennis agreed not to, uh, appear at any progress shows until he was fit and healthy. And, uh, Dennis agreed to this, uh, as long as he could pick the stipulation for the match and uh, this one of been one of the best stories of the year, a real slow burner. I mean, obviously due in large part to Dennis's real life injury, but great to see something uh, that's not been hot shot at Benno.
1: Yeah, the, the, it's the fact that they've taken the time with this that's made it so hot, and again, the reality of the situation that makes it so relatable. Um, there's a little bit of a danger here, that, you know. The segment you just mentioned, uh, the fact you know, we finally got the in-ring segment where Mark Andrews had been pushed to the point where he was willing to fight Eddie Dennis, and Eddie Dennis was brilliant. It was he was so happy his eight-month plan had worked, grinning from uh, ear to ear. That was all awesome, but there was. Maybe it is the fact that he is so awesome on it. People are starting to cheer Eddie Dennis. Imagine the absolute shit you have to be to cheer Eddie Dennis. Considering (laughs) how horrible he's been to Mark Andrews. Although, yeah, I suppose he is very entertaining. But I I hope people continue to to play along a little bit more because I didn't really uh, love that dynamic. But... Both men were, were absolutely excellent in the, in the segment itself. And the, the layer of brutality with Andrews uh, being attacked by Eddie Dennis, who kind of came through the curtain near the end, was was brilliant as well. And yeah, long term storytelling paying off. Um, I just wonder about, yeah, that, that, that was weird, that step that they've said that uh, Eddie Dennis has to stay away now until they have the match. I, again, I don't know how you feel the next, if it is Wembley, how you feel the next three months. Um, but I'm sure they've got something up the sleeves here. I'll definitely give them the benefit of the doubt. Out because this story has been masterfully uh, handled by Progress and masterfully executed by the two men involved. So I'm really excited to see what comes next. Uh, yeah, if you go to a, a junior gig now to see Mark Andrews, you better watch out. Uh, Eddie Dennis might turn up. I love that uh, added uh, <laughs> element of uh, reality in danger there.
0: Um, it's funny you mentioned about the crowd there because when Eddie Dennis first came out and when they showed the footage from uh, the junior gig, everyone was you know chanting "Fu Eddie Dennis" and stuff. And it wasn't until he said, "Oh, Mark, you know you want me out, you know how am I <laughs> going to pay my mortgage and all this other stuff," when everyone started cheering him. Being so, too so relatable, yeah. yeah. Maybe that's what it is. <laughs> yeah, it must be. And um, another major match of the weekend was the uh, Atlas Champion Walter taking on the Progress Champion Travis Banks, and uh, the match started off pretty well, but it had shenanigans galore. I mean, Banks constantly looking for some kind of count out victory tk cooper coming in dressed as roman reigns to interfere on bank's behalf and uh, an ending which saw uh, banks grab the title and walk to the back for the count house lot count house loss rather but retaining the title and uh Benno, what were your thoughts on this match before we talk about uh, the continuation of this uh walter story
1: it had a big match feel, at least at the start. I'd kind of put the... I knew the finish, but I'd kind of put it to the back of my mind. Um Lots of domination from Walter and lots of not-so-subtle uh, healing from Travis Banks, which, uh, depending on, on your mileage, I'm quite finding uh, entertaining at the moment. I think they both played the roles well and they had built something good but yet as soon as they rolled to the outside and i kind of remembered that this this finish was coming um i did think it was clever you know banks uh, pretending to run back to to get in the ring but all he did was grab his belt and, and run away uh but in a main event on day two i'm not so mm. sure it was a bit lame it's i think you can get away with one of these every now and then i guess i think the problem is in 2018 with the modern fan your fans are going to get mad at the Booker. they're not going to get mad at travis banks um you can hate that but that's just kind of uh, how it is so yeah i did see a lot of people disappointed with this um i guess we'll get them again but it did feel like a a bit of a a cop out there um, especially coming in the main event as well um i don't know i think i I really would have put the belt on walter but i suppose if they don't have plans of doing that um this was their their get out clause but yeah okay as a match it felt like it was built into something really good but it's really hard to talk about the match when there is a
0: finish like this and uh, i mean you talked about maybe putting the belt on walter there because on day three uh walter made quick work of uh, tk cooper virtually (laughs) squashing him And uh, but uh, in, and then after the match, he was told by Travis Banks he could never have another shot at the Progress title while he was the Atlas champ. So Walt, Walter proceeded to uh, and the belt to Jim Smallham and vacate the Atlas championship in favour of another shot at Travis Banks and the Progress championship. And uh, Benno, what did you make of this uh, on day three? I mean, you know, we discussed what happened on day two. Do you like this uh, this long, drawn-out Walter v. Travis Banks uh, tease that we're getting for another match? Uh, I wanna see another match. I'm excited for that element of it. Um Walter just
1: dropping the Atlas belt like that, I I feel like it just kills the, the belt that he mm. that he built really. It's just uh, now you've got Joseph Connors challenging for it, Joseph Connors who just appeared on two hundred five live. I mean <laughs> uh, I don't know. I mean what's the point of even keeping the belt around if the best big man around Walter gives no shits about that belt anymore um yeah i wasn't a huge fan of that and i wasn't a huge fan of him killing tk cooper that you mentioned there as well um i've got massively fond memories of that south pacific power trip against ring camp match last year um and that match tk and walter uh, on day three was nothing like that it was a complete squash so i felt really bad for tk cooper um and yeah i think it's a bit of a shame what they're doing with the atlas belt there um but yeah i think if it delivers uh, another Travis Banks and Walter match um, I'd enjoy seeing a, a sequence of matches from them that's a, a big match that you could put uh, somewhere uh, I suppose I, I'll look forward to that but yeah there was a, a few things in here that I, I really wasn't a fan of and yeah I was a bit surprised that they, they do that with the Atlas belt considering how big uh, Walter has is, is built it up to now it's just it's really not going to be the same if uh, if Joseph Connors walks out with that belt from Manchester <laughs> at the weekend I can't imagine that's the way they're going to go but yeah there aren't many other uh, interesting routes to go with the belt so yeah uh, I, I personally would have kept it on him uh, i would have been happy with walter being a double champion if that's the problem but hey i suppose this is the uh, the course they've chosen to take
0: yeah it'll be interesting to see what they do do with the um atlas championships it seems a lot of their big lads who would be used in that division are being uh, snapped up by wwe mm. so it'll be interesting to see what they do do with the atlas title and um, a final note uh But the final noteworthy moment of the weekend was on day three when WXW owner Christian Michael Jacoby appeared and and cut a promo on Pete Dunne, essentially saying Dunne should prove he's the best in the world by facing off with with the man he considers to be the best in Europe, Ilya Dragunov. I mean, people were visibly jumping out of their seats (laughs) at the thoughts of Dragunov in progress, and uh, quite exciting news here, Benno.
1: Was Ollie there? Maybe it was Ollie. Yeah, uh, yeah I kind of, I kind of laughed at Jacoby getting his full entrance with Beastie Boys and all kinds. Um, the most powerful man in european wrestling apparently he was doing a very good paul Heyman impression um yeah i think it's kind of strange that he was going after pete dunn the wwe champion rather than targeting the progress champion Travis mm. banks that's a little bit weird but Iliad in progress will be absolutely awesome and i was de- definitely pleasantly surprised by you know the amount of people who-, who reacted to it in the audience wxw does seem to be getting a bit of a foothold in this country and this will help they've got those uh co-promoted shows of progress coming up so i so suppose it's good for every to do business like this and again if that's a match that's happening at Wembley sign me up they're uh, really uh, putting some interesting things together here
0: I mean, uh, what are some of your final thoughts on the weekend? Uh, something that we haven't mentioned so far. We saw the return of copyrighted music. I mean, most notably, really? Jimmy Havoc having his old uh, AFI theme back. I mean, that was, a, that was certainly a, a welcome return, wasn't it? Yeah, on the day, uh,
1: my and your friend Joe was tweeting from there for the Indie Corner, and he was saying that there was live music, and I was thinking, ah, they'll cut it out of the DVD or the VOD. And they didn't. They played it back. I don't know whether because it's a big show. I don't know what to read into it, whether it's the, the law change, is it become cheaper um, but it did make a huge difference. It really, it felt like a bigger occasion because of it. Like you said, David Star coming out to his theme, and Helico coming out to Bangarang. That makes a big difference for him. Joey Janela and that awesome Kavinsky song. Um, it does. It makes a big difference to the presentation of progress. Um, this isn't the best example of it. Ali Pali hasn't got the best sounds, but when they run them you know their usual music venues, that was always a big part of the progress personality. So I really hope it's back for good. Um, I just yeah, it does seem a bit strange uh, maybe if they are going to end up on the WWE network maybe we'll get dubs then maybe they've uh, changed their minds <laughs> maybe if WWE UK is going to be on the network they don't have a u- use for progress that's just be putting on my tinfoil hat again though um, yeah weird <laughs> but I'm not ungrateful about it I'm really happy and I think it, it did make a, a big difference to the presentation although this was a really weirdly mixed show wasn't it that a lot of the time when the music was playing it, it drowned out some of the commentary which I've got a huge problem with when it's Glenn Joseph shouting um, but but yeah, there's some weird mixing um, on this show for, from an audio point of view too, just to note. But uh, overall, uh, very pleased.
0: I would um, certainly give this uh, whole three days um, a big thumbs up. I mean, we saw some great matches here, a lot of building up for Wembley. I mean, going into the show, I wasn't that interested in a Wembley show, but the potential that's there now. I mean, assuming the major matches that were built up over this weekend are left for Wembley, I mean, we're potentially looking at... a. Uh, Zach Sabre Jr. against either Travis Banks or Walter, Will Ospreay against Jimmy Havoc, Ilya Dragunov against Pete Dunne, and Eddie Dennis against Mark Andrews. I mean, that's certainly a mouth-watering line if they do save all of that for Wembley.
1: Yeah, it really is. I- I've kind of Wondered, you know, what? How are they going to fill Wembley? You know, it's all in the news about all in doing ten thousand. Uh, I don't expect progress to do 10,000 at Wembley, but I was kind of scratching my head, going, "Well, what are they actually? What are they building that will make sense for Wembley apart from uh, Eddie Dennis and Mark Andrews?" And they have put some stuff together here, and if yeah, they do hold off on it all till then, uh, I'm really interested. Uh, I'm not so interested in this Manchester show that's coming up at the weekend. Jack Sexmith in the main event. I don't get that. I can't see him being champion. Come, uh, come Wembley uh but all in all yeah uh there's a couple of negative moments across the shows but all in all felt very positive uh, coming out here about progress and I've not particularly felt that way in a little while so yeah a nice little uh reset we got here with the super strong style weekend and uh, I guess we'll uh we'll see where they go from here
0: and uh, last note on progress what did you uh do announced over the weekend they're going to be running uh a five was it a five city tour of the usa i mean uh they had a disaster getting from new york to boston (laughs) but now they've added three more cities on the west coast of all places to uh to this tour so uh progress not resting on the laurels are they i mean they've been doing shows in australia doing shows in new orleans constantly uh booking shows all over the uk and now they're doing this uh, five city tour of america so uh certainly be interesting to see what they do there but uh yeah five five cities in america certainly a, a big undertaking isn't it
1: It is, I wonder, I don't like them. Don't want them to stretch themselves too far. I think some of the weaknesses they've had the last couple of years have been the fact that they've just got too much going on. Um, you can see it now, like you said, that having them, having the travel woes last time where they were in New York, they're going to be... Any bus company in America better watch out now what's going to <laughs> gonna happen if any of their shows' travel arrangements go wrong. Um, yeah, obviously, they're, they're wanting to, to go abroad. They're doing these shows in combination with Evolve, and it, I'm sure it you know gets them more fans internationally. Uh, but it does... So Sometimes stretch them a bit thin on the ground, um, over here. The fact that they're cancelling another Manchester show, uh, to do this tour isn't great optics for the progress fans in the north. Um, but yeah, I, I suppose that's what's going to happen with a, a growing company. Um, let's just hope the, uh, in, in growing they get some more staff on and they can maybe get these VODs out a little bit quicker. Uh, maybe that's a, a benefit of um, them continuing t- uh, to grow that we can look out for. Um, uh, but yeah, it'll also be interesting to see whether these are, are chapters or not because the shows over Wrestlemania weekend although they were called chapters they were very much house shows this feels like it might be something of a house show tour but yeah I'm sure any uh, international fans that are are near the areas that they go into will will be made up and yeah it will be a chance for progress to get some uh, more fans out there in America
0: and uh, moving away from progress um, also hosting a show the same weekend as Super Strong Style 16 was uh, Pro Wrestling Eve this is um, an all-female company that have been running for a few years now mainly running the Resistance Gallery in London using a variety of imports such as Miko Setamora mixed in with British talent such as Kaylee Ray, and they ran their biggest show to date at the York Hall in London on uh, Saturday, May the fifth. And I watched this one live on Fight TV, and and there were some problems with security at the venue, and the show starting about an hour late. But the uh, venue looked pretty full. Uh, not the numbers that Red Pro were doing, but it looked to be about a thousand people there. Um, but from top to bottom, I thought this was a, a really great show, and match of the night honors have to go to Kaylee Ray against. Miko Satamura. I mean, two of the best female wrestlers in the world, and and they really showed it here. A, a very hard hitting match with both of them trading wince inducing kicks and forearms, Death Valley drivers, and Gory bombs on the side of the ring. I mean, these two went L to Leather trading finishes before Kaylee Ray finally won with a roll up. And I mean, I really enjoyed this match, and the atmosphere was absolutely electric, I thought, here, now
1: Yeah, it felt like a big deal, didn't it, when she got that pin and managed to pin Miko. Um, I'd gone into this a, a week removed from everyone else. This uh, happened while I was away. So I kind of watched it with all the hype in mind. And for the first half of the match, there was a couple of awkward moments and I wasn't really feeling it. And then once they started hitting those big moves, I think it started with Kaylee Ray kicking out of the, the Death Valley bomb and then Miko in turn kicking out, kicking out of, I think it was the Gory bomb by Kaylee Ray. The crowd really got into it. You started getting this is awesome chance and there was a really, really good, back and forth uh close and stretch from the match like i say it felt like a a really big deal here and it felt like a really big match uh for kaylee ray to, to get to see her here uh holding her own with uh with mika who we've we've seen a little bit over in these shows. he's the current fight club pro champion she uh they, they seem to put her a lot of uh, intergender over in fight club pro i'd much rather see her uh, in matches like this against the the best that, that we've got to offer Um, so yeah it looked really good and i think the the best thing she looked really good kaylee ray and the best thing i can really say about her is that she didn't look out of place here i thought it was a a really strong match i maybe wouldn't rate it as highly as some people did um Mm. i think it was maybe the the better of the the two you know asia kong and and viper was not quite on this level so maybe it's the better of of those two matches i heard a lot about Um, but still a really good match and yeah a really good showing for kaylee ray
0: I mean another highlight from the show for me was the main event of Charlie Morgan against EVE champion Sammy Jane I mean Jane's the ultimate heel in EVE and uh, and Morgan is very much the ace of the company winning the She Won tournament last year and Charlie Morgan hasn't had the best showings in progress, but in Eve is somewhere where she really shines. I mean, the big talking point of this match was the huge dive she did from the balcony of York Hall onto Jane. This was like a truly holy shit moment, and uh lots of near falls at the end before Morgan with an with an implant DDT. I mean, the whole rock, locker room flooded out to congratulate Morgan. Real feel-good moment to end mm-hmm. the show. I mean, the crowd had been loud all the way through the show, and they gave the main event a stunning ovation here
1: yeah it had big bumps and it just had a, a big time feel didn't it it felt important it felt like they talk about charlie morgan as the ace of eve and she was legitimized kind of uh, in this match uh, it was awesome it really was i mean that i'd again i'd heard obviously knew all about this dive at the balcony but seeing it was just something else the way she kind of all in one motion hopped up that ladder and then was on the balcony before dan reed had a chance to get off commentary and run and get her down uh, it was just <laughs> that was one of the many moments where dan reed seemed very just during the show it was like every couple of minutes he had to go and tend to something else rather than the commentary that was a bit weird watching uh, but yeah it was just the absolute moment of the night yeah that no fear doing it that was awesome the big table bump that sammy jane took off the top uh, when charlie morgan kind of kipped up and threw her through it that was great stuff as well uh, just an awesome match with loads of really big moments it felt big time everything clicked like you say sammy jane is such a good heel people really wanted charlie morgan to get this win and and they got it with the you know the big crescendo finish with a hitting that there was the implant dvd ddt off the top just incredible great match and yeah it it topped off what was a really fun show and i was quite sad that I'd, i'd not been able to experience this one live on fight
0: I mean, you noted know, there uh, justy legend Narja Kong face off against Viper, and I mean, this couldn't hold a candle to the other matches, but it was still good to see Kong and the two had a brawl all over the arena, didn't they? But I mean, as Eve's biggest show to date, uh, plenty of teething problems around the show itself, but in ring they certainly delivered, didn't they? Yeah, I mean that Asia Kong match felt like such a big moment. This is the show you bring it in,
1: isn't it? There were a lot of slow smoking mirrors. It was a bit of a slow walk and brawl. I think I don't think it even quite went ten minutes, but it was yeah, that was really cool to see. Even if it wasn't an awesome match, but yeah, you mentioned the teeth and problems. There were a few production weird issues throughout the show. The, the levels of the commentary, as I mentioned, Dan Reed disappearing um, and a few other things as well. There was uh, some talk of there being no medical staff on the night, which is absolutely inexcusable for a show this big um that combines with the balcony dive hopefully uh, it doesn't cause uh, other promotions problems with running your call uh in future particularly rev pro um but yeah the teething problems it obviously it's uh it's not something they've done before you know running one from your call and doing a live pay-per-view on fight and yeah maybe they uh, had a chance to clean up the copy of the show that i watched back but overall i think it, it clicked um and there was just a, a lot of uh, memorable stuff on the night
0: And uh, moving on to uh, Red Pro, who the week after this held their epic counter-event on the 11th of May at the the York Hall. This was headlined by the new undisputed British champion Tomohiro Ishii. This was his first defence since winning the title from Zack Sabre Jr. in New Orleans. Facing off for the second time against Keith Lee, but... uh, before we get into the main event, uh, there were some uh, great highlights on the undercard. I mean, I know you didn't have a chance to watch this one, Benno, but uh, the chosen brown team of Matt Riddle and Jeff Cobb going against Aussie Open. I mean, uh, this had everything you would expect from these four. Some insane double teams. Cobb suplexing both members of Aussie Open at the same time. Mark Davis hitting up his patented Pop up pile driver on Matt Riddle, which was uh, something I had to rewind and watch again. And, uh, <laughs> Aussie Open eventually picked up the win, but it was, a uh, all in all a fantastic match. Uh, definitely what going in you would expect this from these guys, and they certainly delivered. But, um, other notable moments from the undercard David Starr finally winning the, uh, Cruiserweight Championship from Curtis Chapman. Uh, Well, kind of an interesting audience reaction here. I mean, Star has been claiming for ages that Red Pro, and specifically their promoter, Andy Quilden, is uh, involved in some kind of conspiracy against him. And he was loudly cheered during this match, whereas a plucky underdog babyface Chapman was a uh, roundly booed I mean what did you make of this reaction uh, Benno and, and David Star picking up the championship from Chapman who, who only won it a few months ago didn't he
1: yeah really weird I mean Starr is, is so comfortable as a heel isn't he I love him using Shea Purcell as his personal ref that's perfect Shea Purcell calling things right down the middle like he's bonzy <laughs> uh, but yeah it was an interesting dynamic just Star being I suppose he's so entertaining as a heel and Chapman is very much a whitey babyface uh, the crowd went with David star um and whenever i really felt bad for chapman because whenever he looked he hit something that looked just a little bit janky the crowd were right on him he, he, he had no mercy from this crowd uh, i did think it was interesting that he was stopping and talking back to the crowd, and even yeah i know that up, as well yeah yeah healing it up in moments whether that's a directive or that's something he's he's been doing on his own the last while but yeah the match structure just became weird because of that it ended up being two heels but one of them was an underdog heel who kept fighting. Um, They kind of stuck to the the plan of the match that they had going in, uh, which maybe didn't work for the roles that they they two ended up having. And yeah, when David Starr killed him at the end with that hand stance and Lariat, there was just an eruption of cheers, wasn't there, (laughs) which I'm not sure was the intended uh, reaction, but... Red Pro have got a lot of experience of uh, maybe the fans going against uh, maybe what the Booker wants at times. We got that with Zack Sabre and and Marty Scurll. um, Or if you believe the conspiracy theorists, that's the way they wanted it to always go. (laughs) Uh, Maybe this has always been the plan. Um, But yeah, I don't know. It made for a really different match. And yeah, I'd watched a a lot of wrestling this past weekend. And it was uh, definitely something different, uh, even if it didn't completely land.
0: Yeah, it reminded me of when they had that uh, team of Joel Redmond and uh, oh, Charlie yeah. Sterling, who were supposed to be, the, you know, you know, all British white meat baby faces, and the crowd completely hated them, didn't they? So uh, <laughs> yeah, it seems Chapman's getting the similar treatment. And uh, another highlight from the undercard for me was uh, Will Ospreay and El Phantasmo. They had a great match, and um, then another. It, 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 I thought it was going to be a highlight. We had Minoru Suzuki and Zack Saber Jr. retaining their uh, Red Pro tag. Team belts against CCK, of Chris Brooks and Travis Banks. I mean, slightly underwhelmed by this match. I mean, uh, all four men have been having a great 2008, but this one didn't quite really hit for me. But of course, everyone was here for uh, the main event, weren't the uh, Red Pro rematch and one of the best matches of 2017, Keith Lee against Tomohiro Ishii. I mean, this was more of the same as the last match, but uh, the match was slightly longer. We had Ishii trying to chop down Lee before they threw everything at each other. Fantastic image of it Ishii power bombing Keith Lee. I mean, obviously Ishii picked up the win here against the WWE-bound uh, Keith Lee, but this modern lived up to the hype, didn't he? Dono.
1: Yeah, I'm really, really glad that he got this thing in while he could. It's a, it was a world class match, maybe a notch below the the previous match, but still awesome. Uh, Ishii is just the perfect man to take Keith Lee's offense, isn't it? Because when he kicks out of what's always feels like the biggest power bomb or spine buster in the world and they feel that way because of his step selling uh, there's just something different uh, about when when Ishii is taking those moves uh, i did think they, they got a little i think the reason i'd say it was a notch below the first match is just because i thought it went a little bit long they got lost a little bit towards the end the crowd got a little bit quiet for some of the ending strike exchanges but they certainly so it lost a bit of steam there but they certainly came back when Ishii hit his, his big brain buster proper and and got the win there it was just it was a big match it was something that uh, probably my highlighter uh, match of last year for brit res and i was just really glad they, they got back to it we got to see these these two big beasts and we got to see ishii in his ideal underdog role nobody takes those horrible chops from keith lee like tomohiro ishii does um just an a really awesome uh, back and forth match that uh, and again really delivered and yeah this is the this is the one to i mean it, it a, Rev Pro have delivered a lot of big matches over the last while and um, you kind of we're only in May and the amount of match of the year candidates we've had from Rev Pro and elsewhere things do tend to get lost in in, uh, in the shuffle but this is one I'd definitely recommend people check out and another really good good uh, goodbye for Keithley um I worry about him going to WWE um I kind of think a big part of his matches is you know the loud sound when he hits the big chops and mm. some of the you know the hard hits he's very charismatic so that's going to translate but it It'll be a shame if we don't see him, you know, having these uh, these killer matches going forward. He's really really going to be missed by the Indies, and uh, again, it's really nice to see him getting these uh, big send offs and these big emotional moments. Uh, Keith Lee is a he's an import, but he, he's meant a lot to European wrestling, hasn't he? The last uh, year or so, so yeah, it's really sad to see him go, and there's uh, certainly going to be a gap there.
0: I mean, um, obviously, Red Pro are doing those New Japan shows, strong sale of old UK, coming up in July. But uh, where do you think they go with Ishii as champion here? I mean, do you see him defending it on any New Japan shows? There don't seem to be any obvious uh, opponents for him coming up in Red Pro, do they?
1: Yeah, there's nothing particularly standing out. I, I do think we'll get a long run, though. I just think he's the underdog, the prowful underdog that he was in this Keith Lee match. I think that's going to be the story of his title run. Um, they're just going to need to put people in front of him. Um, whether they need to bring people from outside, uh, Walter's somebody you could bring in, that'd be a really interesting dynamic. Uh, if you put him against other New Japan guys, I suppose you can do that as well. Um, nothing obvious on the horizon, but I'm not expecting this to be a heavy storyline title run. I think we're just going to get big matches. So whenever they've got Ishii in town, there's going to be a big title defence. Uh, and I'm sure Rev Pro will, will line up some really good matches for him there as well so yeah I'm happy to, to see it continue and it's nice to see a really simply booked uh, world champion that I think we're, we're going to get from Rev Pro for the, the next few months
0: and uh, sadly, that's all we've got time for on this show. I mean, it's been a crazy few weeks of wrestling in Europe, and we suddenly didn't have a chance to cover OTT's huge Scrapper mania 4 show or Fight Club Pros return of the Sendai. I mean, OTT should land on the VOD soon, and we'll look into talking about that uh, when we're next back in a couple of weeks. I mean, but before we go, be sure to head over to postwrestling.com for all the other podcasts and all the latest news from wrestling and MMA. And um, you can follow me on Twitter at Bushby01. And you can follow me on Twitter at BensonRichardy. E. And uh, we'll be back, hopefully, with Ollie on the uh, 30th of May. So uh, we should be talking about uh, the progress uh, show in Victoria, uh, the Victoria Warehouse in Manchester, rather. Uh, so, yeah, thanks for listening, and uh, we will catch you then.